This is your Week in Gaming, episode 1, recorded for the 10th of March 2023, to bring you all the latest news from the world of gaming. On today's episode of the podcast, here, here, the gang is all here. We assemble for the first time to bring you all the gaming, tech, and useless news from the world of gaming. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the very first episode of uh, your Week in Gaming. Uh, my name is Andrew, or Penguin, whichever one rolls off better of the tongue. And uh, I've got a couple of uh, guests that have decided to join for the uh, the very first episode. Everybody, say hi. Hi. Uh, hello. Hi. That's <laughs> most enthusiastic of hellos by everybody. Um, but yeah, the people that you heard there in the background was Richard, Chris, and Samantha. And uh, yeah, we've decided to do a little bit of a podcast talking about games, ranting about games, and just some awesome tech stuff that comes about. This uh, podcast we're looking at aiming to publish at least once once a week, and uh, we'll check how things continue. Uh, we'll be bringing you some gaming news, some cool new games that are coming along, some tech that uh, is is pretty hot and keeping an eye out for it. But uh, I think if we want to just uh, do a little bit of introduction, uh, Richard, do you want to introduce yourself? Is it just me, or did that sound a little bit like a threat? We'll, we'll see how things continue. No, maybe really. you'll stay, maybe you won't. You also called Think me a of guest this. at the beginning of that, so I know I'm out next. Yeah. Think I, of I'm, this as we've survivor. We've been voted off the island, yeah. yeah. I'm suddenly feeling a lot more on edge, like I have to perform. Earlier I was the like, Big oh, Brother, the podcast. Yeah, see what happens. <laughs> I'm Richard. Uh, I've been around for a while. If you know me, good. If you don't, even better. Hello. Hello. Uh, I've been called a gaming historian in the past because I've been playing games for about 30 years. So my Lauren, first gaming computer was a... Uh, well, he's, he's, a, he's the sort of esports historian. I, I, I don't know, I know nothing about esports other than the name of the games. So uh, don't come to me for a, a history lesson in esports. Um, yeah, my first gaming computer was an Apple II. It didn't have a hard drive and it only had green on the screen. And... Uh, I've been around since then, so I've 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 played some games in my time, you know. A couple of text-based ones as well, I'm assuming. Oh, mooks. That is well over my head, and probably a couple of other people's. But uh, you used to <laughs> you used to connect to servers on the internet, and then you used to do like these text-based adventure games. You know, like the the early games where you would go like look left or open door or whatever. It's kind of like that, but there were no graphics at all. It's kind of like D and D. Yeah, yeah it's very much like D&D, I suppose. Hmm. I'm, I'm slightly less of a boomer, but not so much of a Zoomer that I don't remember, get off the internet, I need to use the phone. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that voice that you're hearing there is Samantha. Uh, Sam, hey. introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, so I'm Sam, also known as Nari Mizuki. Uh, I'm an esports commentator. So uh, what you don't get from Richard, you can get from me. For the most part, I guess that sounded way weirder in my out loud than it did in my head. But anyway, um... I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have it on good authority that this man will do a lot of things for like a thousand bucks. So uh... <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So my my shtick is uh, esports, but obviously uh, gaming comes hand in hand with that. I have two older brothers which is one of the main reasons that I managed to get into gaming. And um, funnily enough, and you'll find out why this is funny later, uh, but one of the very first games I ever played was The Sims. Good on you. Um, we've got somebody else that hasn't said too much. Uh, more involved in the back background of a lot of things is uh, Christopher. Were you going to say back end? More involved in the back <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I was considering. Better and better. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, name's Chris, uh, co-founder of Esports Central, which is a website you definitely haven't visited and probably never will. Um, <laughs> engaged uh, previously in writing about esports, and uh, yeah, I've been a gamer for many, many, many moons. Um, distinctly remember in high school not studying for exams just because I'd play Rome Total War incessantly. It wasn't even my PC. I think I went to a friend's house and would stay there for like weekends just using this poor dude's PC. I uh, bless him. If he's listening right now, you were a gem and I'm so sorry. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, at least we know uh, where we come from. Uh, myself started playing games on an old PlayStation 1 that we won through a BP uh, petrol station uh, 
contest with Spyro and Crash Bandicoot. And that was my introduction to to gaming pretty much. Um, backtracked from there to Excitebike and everything in the old NES system and uh, have been a PC gamer pretty much ever since then. I think uh, let's just kick off with some uh, gaming yeah, news. Uh, just now that, I, the, the now that our curriculum vitae is out the way. And what we're wanting we... to do for a few bucks. <laughs> now, that, now that we've established it's that we might know a little bit about, uh, about gaming, <laughs> let's get on to some gaming news here at the moment. So, big news, amazing news, fantastic news. Counter-Strike 2. Electric Boogaloo. And I say too, I mean, it, I say this as if we haven't had a bunch of iterations. This is 1.6 is source. Now there's uh, Global Offensive. But uh, this is apparently going to be running on the Source 2 engine, which is the same engine that Dota runs on. Uh, so, like, way better uh, performance, hopefully better graphics, because let's face it, Counter-Strikes are a bit dated. Um, I'm pretty, pretty freaking excited for that. And it actually started out in like the usual meme format, like ca- uh, the the Counter Strike Twitter page updated their banner, and everyone was like, "Oh, what? What?" Uh, and then everybody started making jokes about it, as one does. But a report from Richard Lewis claimed that sources had reached out to say that not only is it real, but it's just around the corner. And apparently, the beta is set to launch as early as next month. And as I understand it, some pro players, like secret pro players or whatever, had already played the game a little bit. Some of the big kind of highlights is that they are increasing to a 128-tick server, which will bring it in line with Valorant, which is big news. Uh, Improved uh, graphics... There you go. But there was a question around the effect on lower-end PCs. Like, Valve has always been big on making sure that Counter-Strike can be played on just about any level PC, like, entry user-friendly. So what that's going to do for that, who knows? Uh, And, of course, improved matchmaking to try and make third-party things like Faceit and ESEA unnecessary. Uh, Apparently, matchmaking has been one of the big complaints in the CS community for for quite some time now. So this is really, really exciting. I have to wonder how much Valorant's launches and success has influenced this. Obviously, Valorant being far more colorful, far more, like in tune with the zoomers and obviously a lot more appealing to girls because it is a bit more colorful and a bit more like and some of the characters are really cool and there's waifus and whatnot but yeah i'm I'm pretty excited for this counter-strike too that's what you want right you want <laughs> yeah, colorful, yeah waifus. colorful tourists i mean tourists you just, you know, like the more colorful no, no, the tourists the more fun they defenders. are <laughs> okay I mean, there's actually been uh, some conversation around getting rid of the words terrorist and counter-terrorist to make it more brand safe. Yeah, I remember a discussion we had once in a in a shopping mall, an event that we, we weren't, were going to broadcast uh, Counter-Strike on the big screen in the shopping mall because of terrorists and counter-terrorists. Oh, so dear. That's, uh, that's probably a good thing. But it, about Source 2, <laughs> I mean, Source 2 has been around since, I'm going I'm to take a fire at like 2013, I think, it, and they use it with Dota 2, and Dota 2 is playable on pretty pretty potato PCs. So I think that maybe they Valve are clever enough to be able to, uh, you know, make sure that it works nicely on any computer that you throw it at. They, they, they engineers and software developers and whatever will be pretty adept at uh, at fine tuning those graphics and whatever else to make it work on anything. So I'm not terribly concerned about that. But I do have a question for the more knowledgeable amongst us: What is a tick? Last last tick I had, I got from walking in a bush. So it would be nice to know. What- what they actually are. <laughs> to be fair, you're not wrong. <laughs> it's to to my knowledge, I'm not a very big Yeah, well then rather let someone networking. else answer. It's it's the response time between communications between client and server. A higher tick rate, the more responsive uh, it it is, the more smoother it is. Um and in Counter-Strike there's a couple of things like um smoke jumps and lines that require a higher tick server in order to pull off um, just because of how like pixel perfect they need to be. And 64 tick versus 128 tick is, is, is often a big um, contributing factor to it, not really working in matchmaking, but on LAN events, etc. it working. So it's just response time. Expert, but here's the, exactly what it is for you. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm super, Googled it. Super yeah, man's reading off Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, how lo- how like... long do you need for 128 ticks? Like, is that per second? I know that it's measured in hertz. That's uh, a second. That's per second then. Okay. Okay, there you go. 128 hertz. 
128 ticks per second. And you need that to make smoke lines. Well, a few things. <laughs> Obviously, the... the f- <laughs> Andrew's smoke losing lines. it. <laughs> Obviously, the better the game responds, the better your accuracy is going to be. Uh, especially on a, in an online game. Like, we talk about ping and how much of an effect that has. Obviously, the tick rate, similar vibe. I can tell you that the three people listening right now, they're either like, well done, you guys nailed it, or they're like, you were so <laughs> wrong, and I'm going to join you at the stake. Never listening to this podcast again, but <laughs> fucking noobs. Well, we've, set, we've set the tone nicely then, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> exactly. So, I, I have one question. Um if Faceit and, and all these third-party integration platforms and ESEA, if they all go the way of the dodo, um, what's going to happen to all the CS bros? They'll they'll do what every other game does. They'll just show up and log into a normal server and off you go. What can, can, can Counter-Strike change? Can people who play Counter-Strike change? I mean, there's a whole new game coming. It's a whole new world, man. No, I believe. Fantastic <laughs> point of view. Oh, God. Clearly, there's no singing. To, to be fair, when you said Counter Strike 2 Electric Boogaloo, uh, all I could do was <laughs> in my head, I was like, Counter Strike 2 Electric that, that's, that's a song, surely. It probably anyway. is. Anyway. <laughs> but I feel like we're getting way off the point here. Richard. From PC Gamer now, if you love controlling the lives of digital beings and Sims just isn't enough for you, buckle up, because Breakaway Faction is claiming to be working on a Sims competitor, a former Sims developer and CEO of Second Life. Where did that go? What happened to Second Life? So anyway, his name is Rod Humble. Rod Humble. He's, he's walking, working on a game called Life by You, which we can all agree is a superior name in every way to The Sims. Disagree. It'll be uh, under, the, under the paradox umbrella, and we'll find out. Can you wait till the end to disagree? I'm busy reading. <laughs> Reading, it'll he says. I'm glad that you admitted it. It'll be under the Paradox umbrella and we'll find out more about it on the 20th of March with a longer trailer set to be released then. So that is the Monday after the Monday after this podcast comes out. If uh, if a calendar's too much effort, just count two Mondays and then look for a trailer. Assuming so, that you've listened to this on Friday or I think anything after Wednesday will probably be a little bit more. So Monday, the 20th sort of, of March, guys. I'm sure we all have cal- calendars on our phones. <laughs> What's a phone? Sorry, you guys yeah. don't have phones? <laughs> That's also do, funny for a reason you'll discover later. <laughs> I do I do like the name, though. I do find it is a bit... The Sims has always just been like... Look, The Sims is iconic. I don't think anybody can take that away. But Life by You just sounds a lot better. And I just hope that it feels a lot better than what The Sims does at this moment in time. The Sims became trash. Let's call a spade a spade, man. Like, Sims 1 was obviously eh, borderline entry level. It wasn't very good, but there's a big nostalgia trip there. Sims 2 was better. Sims 2 was really good. Like, the updates, the upgrades, better graphics, better, like, life things that you can do, whatever. There was aging. It was fantastic. Sims 3? Peak Sims, in my opinion. They got everything right there. Sims 4? Worse than The Sims 1. It's trash. Throw it in the bin. Dumpster fire. Um, I think think to really appreciate The Sims 1, you have to have have been there for the evolution of it. It felt like, at the time, the first time that, like, proper AI had made an appearance in video games... Um, there was there was always like pre-programmed things that that the, that the you know the NPCs and AI could do, but I think outside of the very early fallouts, that was like the the first time that AI had ever sort of made its appearance, and and people could just you know in any circumstance in any building that you put them in, they would just get on with their day, and I think for a lot of people that was what made that game kind of interesting is that it was a breakaway from what we were used to. We were used to just being given guns or, so, or axes and told to chop people or shoot people. So this was like a very different kind of experience. And that's probably what made Sims so popular. And that is kind of why it's carried on for so long. Because at the base, it's a very simple game. So I'd like to see some evolutions to that. And Sims 4 kind of been getting there. I've, I've not played it, but I've listened to my kids yelling at the tv about it but they they you know they have the careers and all that but it would be nice to to actually go to your job and have to do your job and like and maybe add an element of augmented reality or virtual reality into it there's a lot of space to grow in that area so it would be nice if it goes that way i feel like that's probably not what everybody wants out of it but that's cool you've still got the sims 4 if you don't want that and 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 if you've watched the trailer 
Um, I'm sure you all have because you're all very interested in this and went to watch it immediately, but it's very like 70s. Um, so, you know, it would be cool if they could scale through the eras as well. So, you know, start, as, start in the 60s with and, and watch the sort of, as you grow, uh, watch, the, you know, the world around you develop and technology develop, etc. Um, whereas in The Sims, it's kind of like money-based, right? If you, buy an, if you buy the cheapest computer, it looks like one from the 90s. If you buy the latest one, it looks like one, the one that got beamed down by aliens. But <laughs> it would be nice to see that progress naturally in the game over time instead of, uh, you know, gating it behind how much your Sim makes in their virtual job that you don't ever get to go to. Well, maybe you get to go to it now. I haven't played it in a while. Anyway, that's why I'm, I'm done. So the the place where you lost me was I'm gonna go to work and do my job and then I'm gonna come home and play The Sims where I can go to work and do my job. Like no, <laughs> this is like farmers that play Farm Simulator. Okay, no. <laughs> well, I mean, well, you take a shower and then you sit down and you tell your Sim to take a shower. What's the difference? It's- because that showering is not a job. <laughs> it doesn't suck my soul Whoa, from my body. Like what? A- Maybe you need a new job if that's what your job's doing. But like, if you if you're if I'm a farmer in the day, I'm not going to be a farmer in The Sims. I'll be like a, a musician or something. I don't know, like something different. So yeah. it's it's it just, I just want to live throughout the entire life cycle, not like this period of awakeness and then watch the guy sleeping or whatever. You know, I want to experience like this. Like they did start to do it towards the end of The Sims 4 when you could go into the town and you could do your dating or whatever. I'm pretty ignorant on this because I've only ever watched my kids play it, but it's it's but it felt like they were getting to that point, so I just want to see an evolution on that. And maybe The Sims 5 will probably have it as well, but it's not, it would be cool to have a competitor because it breeds innovation. Mm. Sounds like you just need to play Crusader Kings 3 and then just, you know, manage entire dynasties <laughs> across the Iberian Peninsula and, you know, maybe just cannibalize the Pope. I will say, I think it was Sims 3, three or four with their like superstar expansion where you would like go to downtown and then you could go and like, so if you were an actor Sim, then you could go onto the set and then you have to get like the right combination, right? Like a dramatic scene, a romantic scene or whatever. And you had to like pick the right combination at different points on the stage. Like that was pretty cool. But I don't know if I'd want to go to my job as an accountant. (laughs) Uh, but didn't it also like innovate that entire house building genre? I mean, before Sims One, mm. no one was really building houses and towns and even putting items mm. in. I mean, that was like unknown at the time. And I remember people when Sims first came out, there were whole people who just built houses. That was like all they wanted to do. Then they would let the Sims go, live their own artificial and empty lives, and they would just go and build the next house. And it was like I'm just going to build different houses and deck them out. Yeah, I'm that clown that downloads other people's houses because I can't be bothered. I spent so much time building houses and everything back in the day. And even just like the whole cities, um, starting from like the big houses and then making your, your way for like more middle class and lower class houses and everything because not the Sims in the game. But did you, you not use cheat. the mother load cheat? Like, So I was one of those that actually took a chance and tried to play the game without any cheats. It's horrible. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Is that when, the, when the, your first job you get picked up in that rickety van and you look yes. like definitely a serial killer in there? I'm not <laughs> exactly. It was. But when are they going to have mobile homes in The Sims? All right. I want a camper trailer van that I can just drive from town to town. That is the innovation we need. You've and then you pair that e- with, with the musician lifestyle or whatever. Yes. And then you have like this touring musician guy. And then it's no longer The Sims and it's a whole new game. And that's. Uh... You've just given it actually EA, sounds better. <laughs> you've just given EA a perfect opportunity, uh, well, a uh, an option to to create a DLC that they're going to charge everybody thirty bucks for at the yeah. end of the day. Thirty so, bucks for your uh, caravan. <laughs> thirty bucks for your caravan and music laugh as a whole DLC on its own. <laughs> Moving on, we've got City Skylines Two that has been revealed for current gen uh, consoles coming later this year. Um, reports IGN. Uh, Paradox announced uh, this is part of the announcement show and said it will be coming exclusively to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, as well as PC. Uh, the scheduled date of the release is sometime in 2023. This looks so much fun. I've pretty much every week I will spend about two hours in City Skylines just continuing building and expanding on a city that I have. And watching and... traffic jams. Is this like a, like a SimCity type? vibe 
Yes, yes. but with lots more traffic management. <laughs> yeah. There's did, a lot did, of does traffic. Does it have natural disaster management? Because that was the best. Yeah, yes. it does have that. Oh, okay. There's actually a whole natural disasters expansion um, that you can, mm. you know, have all kinds of things happen to you. But no, you know what I like most about this announcement? It's coming this year. I mean, how many game announcements do we have that are announced? Okay, apart from Counter Strike, you're like, hey guys, by the way, four o'clock at five o'clock, Counter Strike Two is coming <laughs> out. But other than that, like, how many game experiences do you have? Or announcements do you have that come out anywhere close to when it's announced? Like if you look at the E3 stuff and the Xbox showcases and all that, they announce things like that. They announced Elder Scrolls Six. Apparently, that's only coming out after Starfield, which is only coming out in September this year. That was announced today, by the way. Starfield's release date September the ninth this year. Um, and yeah. and it's 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 so, so and you're like, wow, Elder Scrolls Six. That sounds so amazing. I can't wait to play that in nine years time. <laughs> you know that's why i love these things that are like it's coming out in 2023 we got like maximum it's going to be is 10 months to wait until like until city skylines 2 and yeah it's good that's what i like the most uh, most about this i know it's not exactly about city skylines <laughs> but it's it's a great uh i like to see it i like to see it well done paradox and paradox is also the publishers doing the 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 sims thing life mm. by you so good 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 announcements this week Oh, yeah. so we had EA that made The Sims and SimCity, which were the two pioneers. Now we have Paradox, who have two copies of those games by EA. I'm sensing a pattern here, people. It's not great. Arguably better, though. <laughs> like, it's a like, reasonable I- observation. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, City Skylines, there is a lot of traffic management. It's the one thing that I actually really do not enjoy about the game is trying to always upgrade your roads and just making sure that traffic flows because people and your citizens are so quick to moan when there's just traffic. It almost sounds like real life. Uh, Cape Town traffic, Johannesburg traffic, terrible. I don't experience any of that here in Port Elizabeth. So, um, no, no, same. <laughs> there's definitely something about depth to Paradox interactive games, right? They're all, if they're not true four Xs, they're like teetering on the edge. It's like they take everything they've learned from all of their four X's, um, like Stellaris and uh, Crusader Kings and all of those games. And even when they make a fun game, like a city builder, they're like, yeah, let's just cram all of that complexity in just so you're crying even after you've done like 50 hours and you still have no idea how to make this like certain area of your city actually work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Paradox has some misses too. I mean, they're, they're, the, they're the publisher, not the developer, right? So they have all kinds of developers that work for them. Um, but I remember a game out of Paradox. I can't remember who the developer was, but it was called Ice Lakes Fishing. And it was basically like you you quite literally went onto a lake with a drill thing. You drilled through it and then fished through a hole. And it was the most drab and boring thing I've ever played in my entire life. <laughs> but then they also have Prison Architect, which is one of the greatest games of all time. So I mean, they're they're a publisher with a lot of history and a lot of great games, and they do generally, for the most part, pick winners instead of losers. Like Shadowrun, for example, is a, is also a great game. I I generally like the things they release with a few caveats. All right, so you're doing a nice little monthly public service announcement. Uh, these are all of the games leaving Xbox Games Pass this month. Um, these eight titles are all leaving on the 15th of March, so uh, try and get in game time now. It's F1 2020, uh, Goat Simulator, which I still haven't played and I don't understand, Kentucky Route Zero, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Paradise Killer, Undertale, Young Souls, and Zero Escape, the nonary games. Um, new games being added, Wave 1, Guilty Gear Strike, uh, Dead Space 2, Dead Space 3, probably to capitalize on the new Dead Space love, uh, Sid Meier's Civilization 6, uh, and Nino Kuni 2, Revenant Kingdom. Uh, for those PlayStation buffs out there who, has, who have PlayStation Plus, um, available uh, actually on March the 7th, so this week already, uh, a couple of days um, ago for you listening in the future. Battlefield 2042, Minecraft Dungeons, and Code Vein, uh, all available right now. Um, my biggest takeaway from all of this is that I won't be playing Sid Meier's Civilization VI. Um, I've never finished the campaign, love for X's, and Sid Meier's Civilization has just never sat well with me. I don't ever get through it, never make it to the end, never win, certainly. Um, yeah, what about you guys? Any play any of these games? Sad to see any leaving. I'm surprised to see Formula One 2020 was even still on there. 
it's uh, so <laughs> leaving. So Goat Simulator is leaving because Goat Simulator 2 is a thing now, I guess. So they're probably pushing for that. But these these sort of old things that are, are on Game Pass, are you know, the whole versions on Game Pass are kind of good demos for the sequels and for the add-ons and all that sort of stuff as well. So I don't know why they would move it. It's not that I don't know if it's selling even anymore. Um, Kentucky Route Zero, if you haven't played it, is a great game. It's worth playing. It's very strange, um, and it's not in like, like most point-and-click adventures, but it's pretty cool. So you've got uh, four days to play that after the podcast comes out, so get going. Um, Thanks for that suggestion. <laughs> totally going to do that. <laughs> and nice to see some uh, some Microsoft first-party titles coming to PlayStation Plus. That's interesting. I don't think it might be the first one I've seen. Um, just to add to this list, for anybody that is interesting, Baldur's Gate 1 Enhanced Edition, available on Prime this month. So go do that. Because I know Baldur's Gate 3 is has been in like early access for a while, and I think it's mm-hmm. actually releasing this year. Uh, so it if you is. want to get a head start on that, learn some of the lore, whatever Baldur's Gate is, uh, it's available on Baldur's Prime. Gate 3 is literally the RPG version of Star, Star Citizen. What is it? Yeah, Star Citizen, you're right. Yeah, where it's just it's never actually going to come out. That thing has been in beta for <laughs> I don't even know how long. Uh, this is my problem with early access, though, because like games just stay in early access in perpetuum. I, I don't know what you're to- complaining about. You can see your ship in 3D. Done. Like, happy. <laughs> I'm done. To be fair, Larian Studios has at least come out and said it is coming out in, I believe it's August or September. The official release of it uh, is coming out. Currently, you can only play through Act 1, but they've added all the classes there. Um, It goes up to, like, I think it's level 4 or 5. So you can get through a lot of content already in Act 1. But uh, with the full release coming out, I'm looking forward to it, considering that they're also the uh, the same production house that did Divinity Original Sin 2, which was a phenomenal game, phenomenal soundtrack, phenomenal voice acting. It was just a great game, especially for when you have people like Richard shooting your own people in your party. Um, that was a phenomenal game, so much to live up to, and never playing a game like that with Richard, that just sounds like a terrible weekend. <laughs> Did you ever hey, do he has the? A, he has a barrel of fire on you, Chris, for no reason. <laughs> I do remember a lot of fire in Divinity Original Sin too. Yeah, a lot of yeah. it. A lot did of you, tar. Did you play the sim, the sim, yeah, the tar? But the tar was just a precursor to the fire. <laughs> did you play the original Civilization with the Gandhi thing, where you would just nuke everybody eventually? Uh, so again, never made it. Like I literally have played everyone, and I never get there. I like usually, okay. I usually do because, like, I guess it's the archaeologist genes, right? So I like find some ancient historical society. I'm like, yes, this time we're going to be Mesopotamians. We're going to have totally valid technologies really early on as you skip through those ages. And then by the time I get to the end, like, everyone's got nukes and cyborgs and crazy <laughs> things. And I'm sitting there with like my hoplites going, <laughs> hold the line. Okay. So my, my question was going to be, do you get bored or do you just suck? And I think that that may have answered second it. one. The second one. <laughs> Guys, you can find ruins that give you secrets. I mean, that's entirely my life. That's all I want to do. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it pulls me, it drags me in. And then people are building things and killing each other. I don't know what's going on, man. You know, the 1.20 <laughs> update for Minecraft is going to have archaeology, Chris. Oh, okay. Time yeah. to pick up Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to win at that game. You can't lose at it. How do you lose? <laughs> game for kids. Okay. Aren't there creatures that come out and kill you? Come on. Yeah, then you just start again. <laughs> Don't debate me. <laughs> it's like an MMO. You, you can't lose. You just die a bit. You, you get your time lose. back after I being a failure. That's impressive. Worst, I've, 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 I've been kicked out of every World of Warcraft raid I've ever tried to do because my DPS Aww. is too low. I know. It's very Aww. sad. I actually. What, what, what do you play? What do you mean? Whatever uh, grieves the most. It was a druid. Uh, was it? Beanstalk. No, the druid. No, that was a uh, that was a tank that actually was all right at um, the, the the hunter. It was a druid. It was a, a blood elf hunter, I think. Ooh, yeah, that, wow. there's your mistake. See, Richard's a sort of player who. Will I mean, I made it when I was like sixteen. It was like twenty years ago. <laughs> See, you can't trust Richard. He's the sort of person you'll create a Diablo two paladin, and he'll max like thorns and fanaticism, and then he's like, "That's who you've got in your party with you," and it's just a nightmare because he's just. <laughs> Fanatically blocking and not hitting, and people. Oh, he's he's a disaster. Oh, so much hate. <laughs> I actually only ever build a frenzy barbarian in Diablo. It's the only thing I've wow. ever done. 
It's even like, literally the worst possible thing I could think of. What was worse than a paladin with fanaticism and thorns? There you go. A frenzy a, barbarian. I, I play a um, spin to win demon hunter. That's Diablo 3. Yeah, wrong, well, wrong yeah. game. Wrong, wrong it it is all Diablo, okay? And oh, Diablo 1, I didn't make secret. it past like level 4 because it's really hard. So. <laughs> here's, here's, here's a little secret. I've, I've never played a Diablo game. Get out. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> it's strange that I don't Diablo. blame him because he's basically still a fetus. So he's only ever had Diablo <laughs> three with the with with the pay to win and the real remember the real money shop when yes. it first released. When it first released, oh, man. that was probably a Penguin's introduction to Diablo. So I'm not more than that. I remember Arrow Thirty Four. All right, was that ruined my life. Isn't I don't I don't remember what the number was. Wasn't it Thirty Seven? Yeah, Thirty Seven. All I'm saying is that ruined my life far more than a freaking auction house. After this I podcast, mean, go and Google Rule 34, Samantha. I made so much money. Yeah, I know what it is, but that's probably why it popped into my head. <laughs> so we've got a new segment. I say new like it's uh, no, something it's that we've introduced and we've been running new. for a long time. But uh, <laughs> one of the segments that we've got here is uh, Penguin's Promising Playables. Um, so this is where I go and find a game, either old or new, that is promising um that is out and everything and that you should definitely give it a try so this week we're going to talk about hogwarts legacy and how much of an amazing game it is i think it's important though that we do need to separate the creator from the other content um which is what we're going to be doing here with this with this segment um it's a phenomenal open world game which takes place uh, in hogwarts and the surrounding areas which are new to many people um, taking place a century from the other first books, you're a new student at Hogwarts starting in your fifth year. You attend classes, you go to Gringotts, you go to Hogsmeade, and all the other notable places um, at, at, at Hogwarts. Um, as you cause mischief, you have fun, uh, you get to play with magical beasts, uh, save some of them, and there's just so much more that you're able to do in the, uh, the game. Whilst it is a single-player game, uh, with Avalanche Software saying that they don't foresee a multiplayer patch in the, uh, the future, it is both entertaining and filled with character-rich NPCs, engaging quests, and some really nice crafting capabilities as well. Personally, I'm about 40 hours in at the moment, um, but I also feel like I'm only about halfway within the, uh, the game. There's a lot of side quests that are incredibly engaging. Um, they're really good world building as well, um, assisting people and aiding them within small little hamlets that surround Hogwarts and Hogsmeade. There's, there's a reason that this game has sold as many copies as it has, and it's because how good of a game uh, it is. With it being teased for as long as it has, um, it's really, really, really good. And the fact that it's still going to be coming out to the Switch, I believe, as well as PlayStation 4 um, in the uh, the future, I'll probably give this a promising four and a half penguins out of five. Yeah, I believe it comes to uh, older gen in April. Um, but yes, very, very fun game. I'm at about 27 or 28 hours, and I've only completed about 30% of the the game. Uh, so there is quite a bit of content. Look, if you if you blast through the the main storyline, you're looking at a lot of people that I've spoken to have said about 40, 40 hours, 44 hours, somewhere there. Mm. Uh, but if you take your time, like I have I have completely ignored the main quest line and I'm just doing side quests. And it is so much fun. And okay, so they don't have Quidditch, which is lame, but mm. you can still fly, which is a ton of fun. I will say I hate the flying mechanic. It is so dumb. What is this space bar up control down? What? <laughs> it's, it does take getting used to. I will say that, and that is for the PC. It probably feels a little bit better on controller. Probably. Um, I obviously picked the superior house, which was Hufflepuff. Um, of course. Good and, and What uh, in the hell did you just say? <laughs> Apparently the most popular house is Slytherin, and I think that's because people really want to embrace the evil and being able to cast Avada Kedavra on everyone. Can you, only do, can you only do the Abracadabra if you in Slytherin? <laughs> yeah, that, that was basically some other language. I'm sorry, have you not watched Harry Potter? Uh, no. Yes. I have three kids. I've watched it 40 times. Okay, Avada Kedavra is the killing curse. 
Which is really funny, right? So that's the green, the green lightning, right? Yes, but it's really funny because so like um, there's this whole thing around the three unforgivable curses, right? They're so terrible, um, and and no wizard is ever allowed to use them. I literally have a spell that shoots out like a line of energy that decapitates enemies, and that's fine. But Avada Kedavra, no, we don't do that. I was like, can't you can't you use telekinesis to crush people under the weight of thousands of boulders? How's that not also a killing curse? I mean, yeah, like <laughs> all of it could be, but those three, no, 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 those are the big. That's yeah, dark no, that, that's arts. That's a problem, boys. Not allowed. That's the dark I arts. You may I don't not know use that. Those ones are the bad ones, and everything else is chilled. Hey, who who makes up these rules? J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Go ahead oh, and to invoke the name. Just hold on. Click button down the hatches. <laughs> oh lord, yes. Oh, boy. All right. But yeah, if you're looking for a game and you're looking for something new that's really, really good, that's going to fill your time with copious amounts of hours, and you are completionist, you're going to be sucked into this for a really, really long time. Um, so definitely recommend, especially if you are a Potterhead and you enjoy Harry Potter, give it a try. You, you just can't tell anyone about it. You can't speak about it. Yeah, just don't tell anybody yourself. Enjoy yeah. that broken IP all on your own. <laughs> well, it's a good thing it's a single-player game. Yeah. Well, actually, that's the one comment I wanted to make is that Andrew said it's going to be a single-player game like it's a bad thing. I think <laughs> if you want to play multiplayer games, there are a lot of them. Basically, all of them. You know, the yeah. the, the single-player games these days are the exception instead of the rule where it was the mm. other way around, you know. So just yeah. let things be single player. You know what happens when you try and make a single player game multiplayer? Fallout seventy six. You don't want it. Oh. Mm. You know. That so just let it be a single player. Yes, it's not like those games are not meant to be multiplayer games. They're meant to be something you play by yourself because they're immersive and you immerse yourself in the world and you create this world for yourself and you don't need your friend to come across, come along, you know, with with the gaudiest outfit that he could find, dressed like oh, a sixties, you know backing dancing cast member of the YMCA music video because you, you, it's fine to have these single player experiences yeah. so just enjoy them for what they are don't try and convince people of developers to add multiplayer and to shoehorn multiplayer into something that doesn't need it yeah. and this game well, definitely doesn't need it to be fair no it doesn't it's, it's, it's really a good game so give it a try console or PC or uh, older consoles uh, in the future I also just want to say for the record, if you haven't played Fallout 76, it is actually now worth playing because they've added in all the NPCs and stuff. So just don't play it with friends, just play it by yourself and just ignore anybody else you see. And then it's an awesome game. <laughs> I just want to add to that because I played Fallout 76 with a friend, massive Fallout fan. And all we ended up doing was running from like these weird objectives, fast traveling everywhere to go kill as many things in the time as we could to harvest as many mats to then create something that no one gave a shit about anyway. And I was like, well, that's like the complete opposite of how you used to crawl through DC in Fallout 3, yep, right? Exactly. It was, it was just like, what am I doing here? This just feels like a gold rush to not gold and all of those like terminals that you can explore and read the stories and like the little bits of law all between the vaults that you get to sit and enjoy by yourself you can't do that with a friend because he's probably hopping up and down behind you because he's a counter-strike player and he has no attention span so he's yeah. like you know <laughs> and and those sort of you know those are games you experience by yourself and and just enjoy the long conversations and enjoy just doing what you and just ignore the daily quests because there's no need for those either and actually, the build, the base building thing in Fallout 76 is actually pretty amazing, and it's worth worth uh, worth enjoying. So if you haven't played it, go and do it. But that's that's a recommendation for a game that is almost as old as me. Highly doubtful. So I have a segment. Yay! Uh, Sam's soon-to-be successes. Uh, this is where I will be discussing either a demo of a game or a really cool-looking Kickstarter that is related to gaming or just anything that's kind of on the way that you can more or less get your hands on. And uh, I started with a demo called Scene Investigators. It's available on Steam. Uh, it is still in the demo phase, so you can still go and download. Like, I know some places or some games, they'll cancel the demo after a certain amount of time and then too bad. Uh, but this is still available to play, so go check it out if you're interested. It is a Sherlock Holmes-style deductive reasoning game. So you enter the crime scene with little to no information. Um, so without giving too many spoilers, like the scene that I walked into was like a chalk outline on the floor of a dining room. And then you have a house. 
and there's like clues everywhere and you have to figure out, you know, who was the murder victim, who was the murderer, why, well, you don't really have to figure out why they did it. Um, but the clues and stuff lead you to that kind of thing. Um, you have to answer the questions about the crime, the people that are involved, and there's a variety of clues around the scene, but some are harder to spot than others, so you really need to actually look and pay attention. You can't talk to any suspects or witnesses, so it is purely deductions based on the physical evidence that you can actually find. It took me about two attempts to actually get it right. There is only one scenario available in the demo, so it's very short. It takes you about maybe half an hour. Um, but it's a good like taster for what's to come. And the reason I had to do it twice was because I actually missed some evidence. So I had to like go back and find the evidence that I had missed. It's really, really, really cool. So yeah, go go check that out. It's cool. If you like deductive reasoning, there you go. This sounds like one of those games where, you know, it's here's a mystery room. Find all of these things is on the list that he's on the like the right hand side of the screen. Hidden and objects? No. Yeah, hidden object kind of thing. Is is it anything like that or not no, at all? No, not okay. at all. Not at all. Th- thank goodness, because if it was, I probably would have been so deterred from it. So so basically, more. like you you so in the demo, and again, I don't want to give away too much spoiler, but you walk into the room and there's a computer on one of the tables. And you click on the computer and they ask you four questions. And it's like, who is the victim? Who, um, there's like a table with some chairs and the chairs are numbered. And it's like, who was sitting at chair number two? Uh, who, who was the murderer? Who is this person's cousin or brother or whatever? And then based on the clues you find, you have to answer those four questions. That's cool enough. I'd definitely give it a check. Oh yeah, it sounds pretty cool. Uh, you say it's still in demo. Right. Yeah. Okay. And as I say, it's only about a half an hour. I did see that it had an update like today. I don't know what that update was. I <laughs> go check that out at some <laughs> point. It might be because I also remember like when I played, so there was only one room available. It was like an open plan kitchen, dining room, lounge thing. Uh, but there were other doors in the house. And if you try and open the doors, it's like, this is not available in the demo. Uh, so it could be that they've like added new stuff to it, or maybe they've just done a little bit of optimizing. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's very short. But it does really kind of get that kind of itch going of like, oh, I want to do more of these. This is really cool. Gets you thinking. Sweet. So uh, scene investigators, check it out. Sam, you've got something that you want to rant about. (laughs) Buckle up. It's a goodie. So I was talking about why it was funny that we did the whole do you guys not have phones thing. So the thing that everyone was waiting for at BlizzCon 2019 was an announcement for Diablo 4. And of course, we got Diablo Immortal. We don't talk about that. It was a dumpster fire We'll, we'll just leave it there where it belongs. <laughs> but finally, Diablo 4 gets announced. And the hype is real for this. Okay, I'm, I'm not entirely impressed that they've moved to like an MMO format, but whatever. Neither here nor there. Diablo franchise, really excited. I am an avid collector of collector's editions. I have the collector's edition of Diablo 3. I have the collector's edition of Reaper of Souls. I have a collector's edition of World of Warcraft Legion, Mists of Pandaria, Battle for Azeroth. Like, like I really like collector's editions. I've also got for like Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm 4. Like, big collector's edition person. So I go to check out the Diablo 4 collector's edition. It's a scam, people. It is a scam of epic proportions, all right? Let, let me just take you through the collector's edition, all right? See if you can spot what's missing from the list of things that I that I put out. So there's a, a two-sided electric candle of creation with Lilith on one side and Anarius on the other. Ooh, very lore, very cool, you know, Lilith and Anarius and how they basically created Sanctuary. Very dope. Diablo 4-themed occult mouse pad. Comes with all of the, the Blizzard collector's editions, a mouse, mouse pad. A cloth map of Sanctuary. Dope as shit. Really cool. A pin of the Herodrum, as if you know what the Herodrum is, also very cool. Uh, of course, the collector's edition art book, which comes with every collector's edition. And two matte fine art prints. One of Lilith and Anarius and another of Hell. Did you it's spot the game the that's missing, Samantha, obviously. It's the but- game! <laughs> What a scam. But, that's no, a, but it gets better, well, it gets better, it gets better, it gets better. No, 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 it gets better. So the collector's edition will set you back $100 sans game, okay? If you then want to go and buy the game, and you, nah. you obviously would have to, it is seventy. It is a further $70 for the base game, okay? Now, normally in a collector's edition, you get the game and all of the cool digital stuff. And, like, digital stuff for the actual game, and then digital stuff for like World of Warcraft, for like StarCraft, for like Heroes of the Storm or whatever. You get a bunch of cool digital stuff. 
No, it is $170 for the base game and the collector's edition and no digital stuff. If you want all of the really cool digital stuff, the game will set you back $100. That is $200 for a collector's edition that should not cost you more than like $120 or $150. It is unreal to me how much they are scamming us on this. This is a Blizzard game, right? People yes. are still going to buy it. Okay, no, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Activision being Activision. But no, I mean, it's unreal. And then they have the audacity to give the argument that this is to save players money so that they can decide if they want the, the deluxe edition or the base edition. So, you could so do that I anyway. Wanna, I just want to <laughs> play devil's advocate for a second. So like a AAA game title now, right? Generally, it used to be sixty dollars. It's probably eighty-ish now. So, for for let's just say the game with the season pass or with the deluxe edition. So, if you were to just sell it for a hundred or hundred and twenty dollars, all of that stuff, I assume this candle is an actual candle and the mat is it's an electric actual, candle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all physical. But stuff. it's a physical thing that you get. It's not like a pixel pixel. No, no, no. Background. It's all okay. So then $40 for all of that stuff seems pretty reasonable. $120? Yeah. It's on the expensive side. I mean, are you willing but, to pay $100 for all that stuff? Because that's what well, they're charging. I, I understand, yeah. So how many things is that? Like six things. The candle, yeah, the map, two, the mouse four, pad. Six things, yeah. And the some cloth other map, and... the art book, and then some prints. So it's like... $15 a piece and like I'd pay $15 for a candle but I wouldn't pay $15 for a mouse pad um <laughs> so yeah I don't know it's, it's it would be perfectly reasonable and like you said $120 $150 maybe at a stretch but also you're converting it to to our local currency and that probably why is why it feels a little bit crazy but it is still too expensive. Um, it's just madness. That's. Uh, I wonder how many people are going to buy the collector's edition and then settle in on launch day and be like, where the hell is my game? How do I play? Where's yeah. my code? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, like, the thing that, in... that's the thing that worries me, is that people you, are just going to assume it comes with the game. Yeah, you're going to oh, sit and That was the wait. other thing that they were like. They were like, uh, one of the reasons that we want to not include the game is so that people who are waiting for the collector's edition can just like jump into the game and not have to wait for their box to arrive which is kind of fair enough but also no <laughs> well, in, in, a, in a time where literally everything is instant and you could just give me a key that is a nonsense reason for why you need to why i need to buy the game separately because and what they I, did for can... diablo 3 you could buy the base game and if you bought the collector's edition that you could put in a code and they would refund you the cost of the base game okay it would be like battle.net currency but they would refund it so they have done this in the past so that's just the bullshit argument yeah, I don't, I don't buy that. You can just send, send a key to everybody's email address on launch day or whatever. If they, if you bought the collector's edition, if you, but I suppose if you are dead set on you only using a disc in your console or whatever, then I guess that's a bit of a problem. But other than that, I mean, or just include both games on the disc, right? And then just have the code or the key or your account dictate which one you can access. You don't, mm -hmm. like, it's just, there's a whole lot of ways you can solve that without selling it separately. I just feel so bad for all those kids who can, like, wake up in the morning and be like, oh, time to play Diablo. I don't have it, but I've got this nice oh. mouse pad. <laughs> yeah. Which how you know is going to be bad quality and delayed yes. anyway. They're uh, all trash oh, yeah. quality. So, so how much does it cost now? It's if you get the uh, collector's edition, plus you still need to get probably the digital deluxe version of the game. So what are we looking at? Uh, so okay, so it's the ultimate edition. My bad. Digital deluxe is the mid tier. The oh, ultimate oh, edition is a hundred dollars, and then it's a hundred dollars for the collector's edition. So you're paying two hundred. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's reasonable. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe for you, bro. Just drop forty k on a PC Sargon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was that was definitely heavy irony. I'm sad no one picked that up because. We should not be paying two hundred dollars for a twenty cent from China mouse pad and like paper with a code on it. Like that's just very yeah, sad. That's very what it triggering. is. It's just mass mass manufactured nonsense. And Diablo is like, yeah. isn't worth that anymore. Like uh, after Diablo three and Heroes of the Storm couldn't keep going. Like I don't know that those IPs are worth those hugely inflated costs. Yeah, it just it seems like a very steep price. 
in order for you to get everything, considering how it, it, it used to be back in the day, where if you got the collector's edition, you got the base game, digital goodies, as well as the hard-copied goodies. Times have changed, I guess, but that's a very steep price um, for people. Unless, of course, you're just one of those that, like, you really want the collector's thing, but the digital stuff doesn't bother you at all. Then I suppose you could get the 100 plus then the base game, which is, what, $60, Sam? 70 Se- Okay, 70 Gee, then it's thirty dollars yeah, difference. Like Seventy dollars well. for a base game for me is it's not like it's too that. much. It's too much, especially <laughs> because you know that's going to be a, a live game and a living game, and you're going to be buying expansions and stuff down the line as well. It's not oh. just going to be a once I mean, cost because this is Blizzard. Yeah, it's just exactly. too much. Diablo three had how many seasons? I mean, I stopped at like season uh, probably fifteen or something. Uh, and there some were like, no, it was like forty seven different sets of wings, each more ethereal and impressive than the last. People running oh. those those time trials were all had to have the best gear. No, it's like it sucks you in and then you're just spending money on it like it's Dota two items. The really sad <laughs> thing is for like a player like me, I'm interested in the story. And I actually did a so I stream shameless plug and i did a story run through of diablo 2 and diablo 3 and they diablo 2 took me about nine hours to clear diablo 3 also about nine or 12 hours to do the story and like i love story-based games that's why i'm playing something like hogwarts legacy so to run through the story that quickly okay there's a few difficulty levels so you can like challenge yourself a bit but i'm not interested in greater rifts and seasons and whatever so Mm. and i paid for the mid-tier because i'm extra like that and i've spent 90 dollars or 80 or whatever the cost was on a game that i'm probably going to spend 30 hours on yeah and then you're going to play with richard and he's going to build a barbarian No, but look, the replayability thing has always been a Diablo thing. You always used to play uh, Diablo 1 had had the, the different difficulty settings. They didn't have so many classes, but Diablo 2, I mean, you played it with all seven or eight classes. Then you played all seven or eight classes up to the nightmare difficulty. Mm. It's always been a replayability thing. And and Diablo 3 had it as well, all those things. But then, like you said, they ended up, then they started with that rift stuff. And like by the <laughs> end of by the end of it, you were a chicken. There was just literally walking around and things were dying around you. Like there was no mm. gameplay anymore. It was just like you are literally a chicken and you just walk and everything just dies. And that's and that's not a game. That's a grind. That is a full-on no-holds-barred grind with zero interest. Like you are basically a zombie looking for items at that point. Yeah. And that's no the fun. Loot simulator. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And people still played it because it's Blizzard and because it's Diablo and we had this sort of like emotional tie to it. And I don't have that anymore. I, like, and if, if Diablo, so Diablo is, is, I think people remember the story part of it more than what it actually was. But cinematic. It, yeah. Oh, the cinematic. The cinematic. So but, but they, they were. It wasn't. There wasn't a lot of them. They were. They were amazing, mm-hmm. and there wasn't a lot of them. And the story wasn't super involved. Like there was a man with a caravan that used to take you from place to place. It was like Andrew's version of The Sims, and and that and you did that for <laughs> four or five times, and and. Was it was a six-hour experience or maybe eight-hour experience, and that was it. And it always has been that way. So, but the problem is now is that they're milking it. They're milking it with all these rifts and and runes and whatever. I don't even know anymore what they and they've turned a, a fun eight-hour experience that cost thirty dollars into this like ten-year-long thing where by the end of it you're literally a chicken walking around. And it, yeah, it's it's just no good anymore. And that's nothing sums up Blizzard's games better than that at the moment. Yeah. 100%. I can't even remember anything but the uh, cinematics from Diablo 2 anymore. Um, yeah, most of it's nostalgia, right? It's just capitalizing on all of our nostalgia for, you know, when we were all landing, probably in, depending on your age, I guess, like <laughs> at some point in the 90s or 2000s or whenever it was, playing these early games and, and having a great time when you were unfettered from responsibility. Um, and it's just capitalizing on that. And then they deliver games that, yeah, are just very average or only you know get get sorted in nine hours we are going to talk about tech apparently um tech is important and uh it runs your pc uh, except for some of the team members here who don't use tech to run their pcs 
shame guys uh we'll get you some hard drives and, and some <laughs> graphics cards um all right so amd recently <laughs> launched the 7000 series cpus with 3d v cache so these are the uh styled 7900 x3d and 7950 x3d ryzen 9s they come in at a whopping 599 and 699 us dollars respectively well out of the price range of I think 90% of gamers, if uh, Steam hardware profiles are, are to be believed. Um, so what is 3D vCache? Uh, it's quite simple. They've taken the 5800X3D and, and upgraded it. They've added uh, extra L3 cache and they physically stacked that on top of uh, their CCDs um, in the CPU. Uh, essentially, these products are geared towards the gaming aficionado um, who wants maximum gaming performance and is not willing to sacrifice um, any cost in that endeavor. So review roundups have been coming through thick and fast. Most of the media only had the 7950X3Ds with many buying samples um, of the 7900X3D themselves. Uh, feeling is that the chip's performance um, drastically, well not drastically, it's a 13% uplift um, on average performance um, over the Intel's uh, i9-13900KS which is Intel's top gaming chip. Um, in some games, uh, that uplift would even result to 40% uh, improved uh, frames and, and uh, run rates on, on, on many games. Um, it's a modern platform, which is another cool pro. Um, you know, you, you have to switch over to a new motherboard, DDR5 RAM, um, so very expensive um, overall, but you are future-proofed and you don't have to change anytime soon. You can upgrade most of your gear over the next probably two generations, so good time to invest now, although price um, on a lot of these products are dropping drastically throughout the year. Um, much lower power consumption yeah, from AMD over their Intel competitors. Um, they're seeing excellent efficiencies um, and great single and multi-threaded performance. The cons, uh, again, the steep pricing. So if you're uh, the sort of gamer who's looking at best price to performance ratios, um, which is, I think, you know, the vast majority of us, um, yeah, it's this this product, the 7950X3D, is not going to do it for you. Um, rather keep a lookout uh, for the 7800X3D, which will come in, I believe, at a, at a whopping $450. So massive savings there. Um, uh, obviously, another con, again, it's upgrading your entire system to uh, support AM5. So there's no support for DDR4 memory, so you're really changing everything about your rig. It's not so much an upgrade as a complete overall, which is massively costly. Um, and uh, there's an issue um, in some productivity apps. So even in Windows or um, on normal, you know, day-to-day -day working apps, um, there seems to be a decline in performance. That's actually related to latency penalties when um, each of these cores with the CCDs are communicating with each other, uh, actually resulting uh, in, in quite problematic um, latencies. Yeah, so keep an eye out. Uh, I believe that the 7800X3D is coming in the next month or so. Um, a lot of people expect that to be the the real gem in the 7000 series 3DV cache CPUs uh, with the best price for performance. Um, but if you've got tons of money, just buy a 7950X3D and laugh. What I got from that is cool piece of tech that I will never own. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> kind of the problem. <laughs> It sounds great. It sounds phenomenal. That price tag, though, look, AMD has always been that brand that gives you pretty much your bang for buck, shall we say. Uh, mm. The price to performance ratio, comparing it to Intel, has been far superior. I mean, that's part reason why I switched to AMD probably close to about when the first generation of the Ryzen processors, uh, processor came out. I did the switch then. Um, it's just been personally, I found them better to than than Intel. It's a lot more affordable. It gives on par, if not better, performance. Um, now that they've got something, and it's just as expensive as Intel's, and it's like, okay, cool, it's a thirteen percent increase. Looking at that price point for thirteen percent up to maybe forty percent in some game increase. Like, let's be realistic. This processor, if you have to purchase it, you're going to have it for several years. Like, uh, 
I feel like if you're the sort of person that has the sort of money to drop on new tech when it's new and it's at its most pricey, um, you're that enthusiast top 1%, let's say, mm. um, which AMD's always said it caters for, right? I mean, AMD's, yes, been been good bang for buck on, on entry-level CPUs, but they've always said at the top end, you know, they're here for gamers, they're here for ultimate performance and, you know, giving and delivering the crispest gaming um, experience possible on their tech. So they've always done this at the top end. I don't I don't think it's new. Um, but if you've got the sort of money, I'm, I'm sure... AM6, you're just going to do the same. You're going to drop. I mean, the next GPU that comes out, the 5090, you'll probably buy that as well. I feel like these, you know, these enthusiasts just want to have the latest and greatest tech, and that's more important to them than the 20% uplift. If that's your thing, congratulations. Pursue it with your heart's content. Um, but uh, if you're a budget gamer, hang 10 until all of this has started to come out. And then pick up the like fifth series stuff um, at a far better price than as well. You know what's crazy? Just to add a little caveat, one of the yeah. better performing CPUs locally um, is the 5500. It's not even like the 5600X or the 5800X3D. Mm. It's just this little 5500 delivering so much value, highly affordable. And in South Africa, that thing just moves bucket loads. Richard, you've got something for us that we don't care about. I forgot he was here. <laughs> I think he forgot that he's here. Are you muted, friend? No. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> the i9 13900K is $529 if you wanted to buy it, according to Google, which I just Googled. If you had 13% of that, it's $599. So it's literally exactly cost in line with performance. It's interesting. Yeah, but that 40% uplift in games is what AMD fans are going to talk about. They're not going to talk about the 13% uplift no. on average, you know, everyday usage. Or They're going to talk about both, because if you're spending that much money on a CPU, <laughs> you're going to tell everybody, like vegans. I oh, and, gaming and, oh my and God. Vegans. <laughs> that was and, not and the news we didn't care about, just by the way. <laughs> and this week in news that nobody cares about, if you're willing to part with 60 euros, you might soon be able to get a toaster theme to look exactly like an Xbox Series S. This news comes from French site Xbox Squad. It has all the most basic features you're coming to love from your toaster, like a knob that adjusts the toast between the most useful settings of still bread and carbon square, as well as a crumb tray that you can remove and actually drop on your way to the bin, scatter toast everywhere as far as I can see. <laughs> Amazing. It actually looks like an Xbox Series S. I will give it that. It literally does. It's got the little black square circle on the side that you, where the fan <laughs> is. You put toast in the top, uh, bread on top, and toast comes out, and it is $60. That's pretty much, that's a summary. That's what you got, and it's I will, 60 euros, sorry. I will not buy it for one reason and one reason alone. Because it's not a and PlayStation? No. Would you buy uh, it's a PlayStation because... toaster? <laughs> no, no, no. So, so it's because um, I don't know. I don't even know what these things are called. But there's these like two little uh, steel things on the top of a toaster that pop up, and it makes like a like you can put stuff on top of it, <laughs> um, which I use for my hot cross buns. You know, so, so I make like nice the reason hot you cross won't buns. buy this is not because it's sixty dollars, and not because it looks no. exactly like a game console. It's because you can't <laughs> heat up hot cross buns. Listen, on it. I would buy it because it looks like a game console, but it doesn't have the wires, so you know you, they lost me. I I would purchase this as a gift to somebody just to troll them that hey <laughs> I got you an Xbox Series X you so know you, you can't afford a graphics card but you can afford yeah, sixty yeah. euro on a prank to gift to troll people yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah okay listen I, I, I don't even want to tell you what I have dropped on Kickstarters okay let's not even go there um, but what I will say so when I looked through the article like one of the things that it said is like they're kind of leaning into the jokes like so if you've got a really bad computer you joke about how you're playing on a toaster. So that's kind of what they've leaned into. I say potato. I think I I, I know some of my European friends say toaster. So um, so it is funny. I just don't think they're going to sell very many. I don't think they're, they want to. I don't think they're like, they haven't released this going, this is going to be the next biggest thing. I think <laughs> it's, it's they're probably only going to make a hundred of them because they know only a hundred people are stupid enough to buy them. So <laughs> I don't think, I don't think this is a get rich kind of uh, release here, but it, it, I, the only thing I'll say is that it is very well done and it does look like an Xbox. So if, if you want a toast that looks like an Xbox, this is pretty much as close as you're going to get. 
I would launch one with that could do four slices job done marketing over mic drop. And when you think about the size and of consoles the cross these days. And with the hot cross bun on the yeah. top, oh, get that whole extra market segment. <laughs> <laughs> Those crazy cat lady people who only want to do hot cross buns. <laughs> But, like, when you think about the size of an actual console, like, those things are massive. Why would you bring out an itty-bitty little toaster? It's like, anyway, Let's... that only does two pieces of bread. Richard, if you had 60 euros lying around to purchase a two-slice toaster, would you be purchasing this? That is a question that I think we want answered. No, because I already have a Sunbeam toaster that can do four <laughs> four toasts and... Preach! Plus buns, yeah. So... <laughs> So I don't need it. But look, if I didn't have a toaster and I had $60 lying around, I was like, you know, it would look really great in my kitchen. A game console. An Xbox. <laughs> yeah, this would be what I'd... Yeah. I, I, mean, I think you're holding out on us. I think in your kitchen, you've got that Smeg Dolce & Gabbana <laughs> Dolce & Gabbana. I, I bought my kettle at a supermarket. That's all I'm saying. I mean, technically, Yuppie Chef is a supermarket online. Listen, Yorks have got serious money if you're using electric kettles, all right? I'm 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 in there using a gas kettle. It's at least a little bit more reliable. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like we need to send you a kettle. <laughs> no, I mean, we have an electric kettle. We just don't use it because I mean, the electricity sure, is too now. much. Is it, is it Wi-Fi? It has an element. Do you understand how much electricity an element chows? We have saved so much money by paying 70 rand a month for gas to boil the kettle. Just the kettle. It, it's fantastic. 70 rand for gas? What? How? I mean, it's a little gas. It's just for the kettle. It's it's like a oh. little, like four or five liter vibe. I thought, I thought you were cooking with gas because no, we man. cook with gas. And I was like, 70 rand for gas? Where are you kidding <laughs> It also falls off the off the truck. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, Ladies and gentlemen, this is Speed, your gaming and uh, tech news. Um, your Your first episode of your week in gaming. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've been Andrew or Penguin. You can find me on Twitter at my name is Pengu. Uh, I am. I have been and I'm still Sam. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. If there's a social media platform, look for Nari Mizuki. And if you can spell that, I'm really impressed. My name is Richard. Um, I prefer not to be found, but if you have to find me, then it's at Frog Boots on Twitter, where I have all of about five followers <laughs> and never tweet. Yeah. <laughs> As always, Richard, um, you're very keen. Um, my name is Chris, and um, yeah, you can find me online, Sargon ZA. Thank you so much for joining everybody. The uh, next episode will be coming out next week, Friday, the 17th of March. So uh, catch us then on your RSS feeds and uh, all the other places that you find podcasts. Have a great weekend. Cheers. Bye. 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 Bye.